0: With us, the songs that we sang this morning really said just about everything that I'm going to say this morning as well. So I feel like kind of an afterthought in everything that uh, that's already gone on because I believe God has been stirring in our hearts and preparing us for what He is uh, is already calling us into today. In a few weeks, I will be leaving and going to India, and I'll be spending a month there in ministry to pastors. And. The Indian Christians are under an intensified persecution. Under the present administration, the radical Hindus feel a new empowerment. And they're attacking Christians and they're attacking Muslims. I received a post on my Facebook account from an Indian pastor who showed the picture and the story of a pastor who had been beaten And keep murdered. Now persecution is not new. Persecution has been part of the church's history. That Christians have been beaten. Christians have been killed. From the very first days up until today. And it will probably continue until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not only happening in India today. It's happening in Africa It's happening in the Middle East. It's happening in China. It's happening nearly around the world, really, where Christians are being persecuted. When we hear a persecution around the world, or if we face persecution in small ways in our own country and maybe in more dramatic ways in the future... It should not surprise us that it is happening. Jesus said it would happen. This summer season in the church here, we've been looking at the Psalms that David wrote. And these Psalms express what is going on inside of David as he experiences the outside life activities. He encounters what is going on in his daily life. And he reflects, and he pauses, and he ponders. What does all this mean? Many of these psalms are prayers that David prays. And many of them are prayers that express the trials that he has been experiencing in his life. And though we may not experience trials and persecutions in the way that David did, in the way that other Christians did, we face trials in our lives, and we do face situations that cause fear to arise within us. And those fears, in many ways, are a persecution of the life that God has called us to live in. This morning we're in Psalm 56 and I saw that Bibles were just handed out. And if you have your Bible and want to turn there, I would love to have you follow along with me. We have the historical context for this psalm. It was David's prayer when the Philistines had seized David in Gath. David had been trying to escape Saul. It was early in his life after being in the palace in the life of Saul. Saul had tried to kill David. David fled. And he went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of the king warned the king about who David was. David has, Saul has slain his thousand and David has slain ten thousand. And David knew where this report was going to lead, and so he began to act like a crazy man, like a man insane, and he began to, to scribble on the door of the gate. And he began to let the saliva run through his beard, and the king said, we don't need this guy, he's crazy. And so they let David go. And this is the context of the psalm. Let's read Psalm 56. If you have your Bibles, as I said, Follow along. Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me, fighting all day long he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? All day long they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited to take my life. Because of wickedness, cast them forth. In anger, put down the peoples, O God. You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can can man do to me? Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thanks offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, for that I, so that I may walk before the Lord in the light of the living. May God bless the reading of His holy word. David expresses the feelings that he has had as he faces his enemies. He feels trampled upon. The word there could also be translated snapped at, like, like an animal snaps at its prey. David felt that, that snapping towards him. He was oppressed. There is an intense emotional pressure that he is feeling inside. He is in the fight of his life, he feels. And people are proud to stand against him. People seeking to destroy him, and in, verse, in the first verse of uh, the first line of verse three, he indicates that he was afraid. He says, "When I was afraid, here's David, the man who stood before Goliath, the giant, with only a slingshot and five stones, saying, "I was afraid." trampled upon, snapped at, oppressed from every side. His situation reminded me of Paul as he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. There he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul says, I am under the weight and the pressures of life. You know, the Psalms are often called the prayers of Jesus And this could very easily be a prayer of Jesus as he faced his persecutors. David would say, There are things in my life that are creating fear. Your enemies this morning may not be people who stand against you, though that may be true for some of you. But let me ask you, what are you afraid of this morning? For that is an enemy of yours as well. It is robbing life from you. Now, I don't see myself as a person with a lot of fear. I don't see myself as a person walking afraid, or at least not with a conscious fear in my life. But as I was studying this passage, as I was seeking to prepare for what God would have me to say to you this morning, God had me pause. And ask the question, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? And if I wouldn't have paused, I would have thought, I'm not really afraid of anything. But as I sat with the Lord, He began to reveal to me some of the things that are hidden inside of me that I don't pay attention to most of the time. But they are there. And they're affecting my life. But I live unaware of them so much of the time. So I sat, I thought, afraid of death. Now I know I'm saved in Jesus Christ, but death is scary. I'm afraid of getting older. How many of you are afraid of getting older? You know, it's it's like, you know, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to do some of the things that I've been able to do in my life. I'm afraid of not having enough finances. I mean, how many of you are afraid of not having enough finances? You know, it's just, it's just kind of... You don't walk around saying, I'm afraid of not having enough finances, but it's there. I'm afraid that, that I might not please the Lord with my life. I'm afraid that, that, that I might be rejected by people. But I had to pause. And I had to ask the Lord, Lord, what am I afraid of? To be attentive to what's really inside of me. Most of us are so busy running through our lives, doing what is required of us today, that we do not pause and we do not consider what is really going inside of us. But what is going on inside of us is as much a part of us as what is the activities of us of our daily life, but we don't pay attention to it in our American culture. We're just flying through what has to be done rather than who we really are. What are you afraid of this morning? What are the enemies that are sucking the life, the very life out of you, that are persecuting you, they are seeking to destroy you? What are your fears this morning? What is God saying to you right now about what you're afraid of? You know, we almost get the, the idea in our culture that if I'm afraid of something, then, then I must not really be a strong Christian. That, that if I'm a real Christian, then I won't have any fears. But that's not really true. What are you afraid of? Can you name one thing this morning that you're afraid of? If you say, well, men are good at this. Well, I'm not really afraid of anything. You're lying to yourself. Quit lying to yourself. Be real. Take off the mask. Be authentic. God can only work with authentic people. He can't work with us when we're lying to ourselves. He can't work with us when we're hiding. He can't work with us when we're saying, I'm not afraid of anything. When down deep inside, you know there's something there that's got a grip on your life that is ripping the very life that God has for you away from you. Look at what David says in verses 3 and 4. He says, when I am afraid. Notice the present tense of that word. He says, when I am afraid. He doesn't say, when I was afraid. He says, when I am afraid. That's an ongoing kind of thing. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in You. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid, but I'll come back and I'll be afraid again in just a few moments. And I'll turn back to You. What can mere man do to me? The answer to our fear, see, and this is what we need to learn as Christians, the answer to our fear is to turn back to God. When those fears begin to arise in our life, that's the call, the opportunity for us to repent, to turn back to God, to turn away from that thing that has control over us in that moment, and to turn back to God, that when I begin to fear death, when I pause and recognize, to turn to God, to remember what God has spoken, to enter into that union and communion with Him once again, and let Him deal with my Fears. The answer to fear is a constant attentiveness to God. The problem with my life is that I forget so often. I become distracted by the things of this world so quickly that my attentiveness to God vaporizes so quickly. And so when I rise to these places, I have to be attentive to what is going on. And those things are the opportunity then to remember, to turn back to God. And that's what He wants. That's what He wants. He doesn't want you to be able to say, I have no fears. He wants you to be able to pause and recognize you have fear so that you will come back to Him. The fear is the opportunity for us to enter into deeper communion with God once again. To know Him more fully. To experience who He is for us more fully. Our salvation, our healing, is not the God eliminating the threats to our life but it's our turning to Him. See, we want Him to remove the threats, don't we? God, come and take away the threats. Come and take away the problems of my life. But that isn't God's desire. God's desire is communion with you. And it's those very things that draw us back to Him so often as we go through our lives. We need to remember, David says, what God said. And I want to say what God is saying Not just what God has said in His Word, but what is God saying to you right now? Our God is a communicating God today, and He has a Word for you in the midst of your trials of life. In the midst of your fears, He has a special Word for you to hear. Not just a a Word that comes intellectually, but a Word that enters into your heart and settles your heart. With peace. It may be an exterior word, but that exterior word has to become an internal word so that your heart is truly settled. What are you fearing? What has God said about your fear? What is God saying about your fear? Come back to the word, become attentive to what God is saying. I said earlier that my fears don't, aren't constantly before me. I mean, if you have an enemy who is constantly attacking you, you know you're aware of that. And David was aware of his enemies, and they were in the forefront of his life. in verses five and six, it says, all day long they distort my words, all their thoughts are against me for evil, they attack, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have wanted to take my life. David felt a constant, constant, constant attacks. His words were distorted. He felt as though he could not say anything without it becoming misconstrued. People wanted evil to befall him. His steps were scrutinized. They wanted to take his very life. Now, some of you here this morning may think, yeah, my life is constantly being scrutinized, that you're under attack by the constant scrutiny. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your mom and dad. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your neighbor. Your life is under constant scrutiny. You may feel like your words are constantly distorted. You may feel like someone in your circle of life desires evil for you. You may be weary of all this. Weary of these things that are creating fear, creating pain. It just keeps going on and on and on and you're crying out and saying, when is it ever going to end? You may be facing an ongoing physical issue or a constant pain in your life. You may be in a relationship where the pain seems to be unceasing. You know David's reality because it is your reality this morning. David knows the pressures of the attack of enemies. And this attack can oftentimes seem so unfair, can't it? What did I do to deserve this? David felt this unfairness. Look at verse 7. Because of wickedness, cast them forth in anger. Put down the peoples, O God. David is crying out for justice here. And when we we're in the trial, whether it be sickness or it be relational or whether it be just our own thoughts and our own lives, we say, deliver me, O God. Come and destroy them. Bring justice into my life. David wanted rege- revenge. He wanted deliverance from the pain. It's okay for you to tell God where you are and what you want. Do you hear that? it's okay to tell God where you are and what you want. In fact, he would love to hear from some of you where you are and what you want. Because it would mean that you're aware that he's present It would mean that you are depending upon Him as He wants you to live in communion and union with Him. Again, the only healing for us is in our honesty with what's going on on the inside. Your life is as much about the inside as the outside. It's as much about the physical as it is the emotional and the spiritual, because it's Those three, your physical, your spiritual, and emotional, is all who you are. And it's in who we are that God can meet us in our need. And when you speak to God, He's going to hear you because He cares for you. Not just about what you're doing, but what's going on inside of you. Your expressions of honest hurt and pain is not an expression of a lack of trust, but an expression of trust. Did you hear that? the expressions of your your pain and hurt and agony is an expression of trust not a lack of trust because you're bringing it to him david can come with such honesty because he knows god cares about him and will not abandon him verses 8 and 9 you have taken account of my wanderings put my tears in your bottle are they not in your book Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. God sees everything, everything that is going on in your life. God sees what's going on in your life right now. There's nothing hidden from Him. He knows those persecutions, whether they be inner or outer persecutions. I love these words. Take account of my wandering. Put my tears in your bottle. You have not cried a teardrop that God has not caught in his bottle. He's captured every one of them. God has not read God has read the story of your life and he has not skipped a chapter. That one that you thought he skipped where there was pain and there is agony. He didn't skip over that chapter. He's read it, he's been there, he's with you. This I know that God is for me. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that this morning? Oh, if we could just know that, that God is for us. So often when we're in the place of pain and agony, we think God has abandoned us or we think that God is bringing some judgment against us, but no, 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 God is for us. He will not and does not abandon you. David makes this declaration, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. How quickly did the enemies of David turn back? Not quick enough. Because it's never quick enough when we want deliverance in our minds. It's never quick enough. I want deliverance right now. I want deliverance from the fear of death. I want deliverance from the the need for more financial reasons. I want deliverance from it right now. but that deliverance may not come overnight. I wish I could tell you it would. I wish I could, could, but but I can't. For I don't know the time of God's deliverance. David didn't know the time of deliverance. None of us know the time of God's deliverance. David did not know. He hoped it would be quickly, but he didn't know. What he did know was that God was for him. What you can always know is not the day of deliverance, but you can know that God is for you. He's for you. He's for you. He loves you. He knows exactly what is going on. I can't tell you why something is happening, but I can tell you He cares. He has not abandoned you. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. There's an interesting verse in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, the disciples of John the Baptist have gone to see Jesus and they've heard the things that Jesus has been doing and and so they come and they report to John the Baptist what what they have seen of Jesus and and John says, well, go back to Him and ask Him if He is the promised one, if He is the Messiah, if he's the, the appointed one. And so the disciples go back and, to Jesus and they, they talk to Jesus and say, Are you the appointed one? Are you the, the Messiah? And Jesus says, Well, look what I'm doing. I'm healing the sick. I'm casting out demons. And then in verse 23 of that chapter, we find this very interesting verse. He says, Blessed is the one who does not take offense of me. And I've looked at that verse and the times that I've read it, And I thought, what does that mean in the midst of this context? And then I was listening to another pastor, and he shared this this insight that's just made it so beautifully, because it seems like strange words. But what Jesus is doing here, this other pastor said, was preparing John the Baptist for what was going to come. John is going to be arrested. John is going to be beheaded. And Jesus tells John, I am the Messiah. I am the promised one. But do not take offense of me when I don't rescue you the way you think I should. Don't be offended that I don't do what you think I should do. Wow. I mean, how often are we offended that God doesn't do things the way I think He should do them? That we want to throw our hands up and and say, forget it, I don't want to follow you. But Jesus tells John, and I believe He's telling us, don't be offended if I don't do things the way you think I need to do them. Know that I care about you. Know that you can trust Me. You know, Jesus says, all power and authority has been given to me. That does not mean I'm going to always do it the way you think I should do it. God says, I care about you. I've collected your tears. I have not skipped over one chapter of your life. Now, this is really hard to accept sometimes as Christians, that we can't understand it, we can't explain it, we can't rationalize it. We're not called to, we're called to have faith. We're called to trust. We're called to know that He cares about us, that He loves us. Then in verses 10 through 12, David writes, In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thanks offerings to You. David says, in God, in the Lord, in God, the way to face the trials of your life, the persecutions of your life, whether they be outward or inward, is to know and to be in God. To turn to God. Knowing that He cares about you. Knowing that you can trust Him even though it does not seem Be true. David concludes in verse 13 For you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. David trusts in God's deliverance. He doesn't know when it's going to come, he doesn't know how it's going to come. God will deliver your soul, He will deliver your flesh. He wants you to walk before Him in the light of the living. The pains that create fears are part of the journey into union with Him. Listen to what P- Paul says in Second Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted, whether it be outward or inward. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Pain, whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual, will cause fear to arise in our lives. It's part of the journey. No man, no woman, no child escapes it. And I want to encourage you this morning to embrace it Do not turn away from it. Do not pretend it is not there. The way through is trusting God. For us Christians, it is a trust in the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Bring your pain. Bring your fear. You're not alone, though you may feel alone. The pain, the fear will not win Though it may appear to be winning, what wins is God's love. For you fully expressed in the person, his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, some of us in this room are fully aware of the pain and the fears that have arise with, within us. It's so evident. It's so real. And some of us, God, have lived so much of our lives thinking that we weren't supposed to feel pain or we weren't supposed to feel fear. That we've blocked it, we've hidden it. And God, help us to be aware, to be attentive to it, to be honest, to be real, to be authentic with You. Lord, I pray that, that You would help us that when it begins to arise to take control of our lives, to persecute, to rob life from us, that Lord, You would help us to turn back to You and who You are and what You have promised. We stand in You and Your Word, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.